Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I. <laughs> Welcome to Q's birthday house. My brother name is Ozzy and I'm Guy Boy. Thank you for missing from Mommy's podcast. Hello and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host Jordan. I'm a mum of two. I have Jai who is three and a half and Ali who is 21 months. We live in Papamoa in New Zealand and I also have a business baby which is your birth project. Your birth project is my online hypnobirthing course designed to help you create your best birth. It is also an online store full of pregnancy, birth and postpartum related products that you need to go and check out. So if you're pregnant or you know someone who's pregnant, make sure you go and check out your birth project because yeah, there are so many things there for creating your best birth and having your best pregnancy, birth and postpartum experience. Oh, goodness me, it feels like it's been a big week. Um, I know I've owed you an episode for a while and I have really just wanted to take some time to get this episode ready for you um, with Hannah for release. I've been unwell, the kids have been unwell, Joe's started a new job. I feel like we've had lots of life changes um, in the last sort of four weeks from a behind the scenes perspective. So um, yeah, definitely have struggled in getting these podcast episodes out, but I will become more consistent again and I'm just allowing myself some grace with um, the timing of everything. But I did really love recording this episode with Hannah. Um, I've followed Hannah on social media for quite a while and she's actually from the same place in New Zealand as me and um, yeah I just have really enjoyed following her journey with Real Rad Food and her journey into motherhood so I know you're going to love this episode. Hannah shares with us about her pregnancy experience, um, also selling her business uh, as part of her pregnancy and how that impacted her pregnancy and sort of newborn or postpartum period and then how life has been over the last sort of six weeks with baby Winnie. And yeah, I just loved recording this. So I know you're going to enjoy it. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to find me on socials, you can do that at Kiwi Birth Tales or at Your Birth Project. Or you can always flick me an email, Jordan with a Y at KiwiBirthTales.com. So that's Jordan at KiwiBirthTales.com. Okay, enjoy the episode. Let's jump into it. I'd love to hear how you find it. Super grateful that you've chosen to have me in your ears today. And yeah, I hope you get something special out of Hannah's story. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for joining me on the Kiwi Birthdays podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very, very excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. I feel like I've followed you. Like I've followed you on Instagram for ages, but I feel like I've so um, enjoyed following your pregnancy and, and mum life journey. So we've got lots to chat about today. But did you want to talk us through, first of all, a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, absolutely. I 
am 27 years old and I live in Mount Monganui. My family consists of Mac, who is my fiance. We got engaged last April. Um, and then we've got Winnie, who is our six week old baby girl, and Cooper, mm-hmm. who is my our um, cavoodle, who's three years old. Cool. And I know there's going to be so many people that ask how you came up with her name. So before we get into anything else, why don't you talk us through, um, yeah, the name journey? Like, had you always known that that was what you wanted to call her or, yeah, talk us through that. Yeah, it's, um, we've had a lot of questions about the name. I found, so I saw the name for the first time when I was probably like eight weeks pregnant and it was actually, I'm not sure if you follow her or you've heard of her, but Sarah Lynn, I think her name is on Instagram. She owns, or yes. she, yeah, she has the, the diamond shop in, I don't know, in yeah. Auckland and her business partner, who's an older man, um, maybe in his like 70s, I don't want to say he's too old, but he's definitely of the older <laughs> generation um, and his name was Wynn, is Wynn. And I saw that and I was like, that is so cool. And I really thought that we were having a boy. Um, and I was like sold on it for a boy named Wynn, just W-I-N. And then we found out that we were having a girl. And I was like, well, it kind of actually works. And like when I think of Wynn, I thought of like maybe like the Wynn Hamlin brand. And I was like, that's mm. kind of and anyways then it was just about a convincing Mac because it took a bit of convincing to be honest and also b figuring out how we wanted to spell it so I don't know why we chucked another n on the end we just decided to and Mac really wanted her name to be Winnie but we sort of settled in the middle that we would we we pretty much just call her Winnie but her name is Win. um and yeah, yeah that's I guess the origins of her name I messaged Sarah on Instagram being like I've named my child after your boss <laughs> <laughs> so good I love it it's such a unique name that yeah I haven't heard um heard before but I do know who you're talking about so it's funny now that you reference like his name I'm like oh yeah of course I have heard Sarah mm-hmm. talk about him on her Instagram so very cool okay amazing so let's go back to the start then talk us through what the journey to pregnancy was like for you and Mac yeah so we as I said we got engaged in April and we set our wedding date for December of this year um and then we sort of I have always, always, always wanted to be a mom and I had gone through periods of like trying to convince Mac earlier on in our relationship, mm-hmm. but then I'd sort of like put it on the back burner and we just, we hadn't thought about it for like a little while. I thought that it was probably going to happen after we had 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 the wedding, but then we sort of were just thinking in terms of our timeline with like our careers and whatnot. And we thought, well, maybe we should, it was in, in about, I guess, June June or July and I was like maybe we should like give this a crack for three months because I'm like a very like logistic like black and white person I was like if we gave this a crack for three months like she'd be at a she'd be of a good age at the wedding and I'd be able to sort of like be in a bit more of an understanding of my new role as a mother by the time that the Mm -hmm. wedding came around but if it took us longer than three which I really thought it it would um we would like go back and start to be careful again with forms of contraception but I was like let's like give it a crack it would be amazing if it happened if it doesn't then we'll try after the wedding so that conversation was probably had in June we also moved out of like an apartment and into like more of a family home 
and it just like felt like you know no, no time's ever right and let's give it a crack and I mm. furthermore to that I had had a history like ever since I was 18 years old of amenorrhea so loss of period when I went through university and there, there was like a five-year period where period of time where I didn't have a physical period um mm. so I always had like a niggling thought in the back of my mind that it was going to be a hard journey for us because of the hormonal imbalances I had sort of had throughout my early 20s so I was like you know like let's try because this is going to take ages was just what I always thought mm. we ended yeah. up falling pregnant like on the very first month of trying which like I know <laughs> saying that I've got so many people around me that have um, struggles, constant, still have struggles with fertility. And it has been mm. hard sometimes to, I guess, say that. And you feel a certain yeah. way about who you want to say that to. And I know that people listening to this podcast are probably, you know, trying and it's not happening for them or they've had losses, all that sort of thing. So I'm very conscious of that. But it did happen quickly for us and it was like the most surreal thing ever because I always thought that I was going to be in the you know mm. camp of fertility issues so yeah mm. that first month that we started trying um I was again like the very logistical numbers person and like control freak I am I did like <laughs> went to the chemistry house like got the ovulation sticks I'd been tracking my periods on flow but my ovula once I um tested my ovulation my ovulation was actually quite a bit later than mm. what Flo thought it was so I think having those sticks was really helpful and it's actually quite funny my mum is a nurse and I had uh, she works at a urology clinic so she often can write me just scripts to get certain bloods done um and I had asked her from the guidance of Sarah from Your Monthly who I've she's been mentioned on your podcast a few times before mm. she's uh, a dietitian in the hormonal space but I had worked with her and she's a good friend of mine but she had um I just wasn't I really wanted to know if like yes or no I was ovulating or not and so mm. that month that we ended up falling pregnant I had asked my mum to give to um give me like a script to get a blood test of was it like my progesterone to see if I had mm -hmm. ovulated yeah yeah anyways we, and I think I took that test like on like three days after my period or something and it came back that I had ovulated and, and then I think about four days after I got the blood results that I had ovulated and, and we were really stoked with just the results that I had ovulated I found out that I was actually pregnant so I was pregnant when I took that blood test yeah amazing and did you like did you do just one of the standard pregnancy tests at home and can you remember the feeling of like seeing the positive pregnancy test yeah, so this is actually quite a funny one because so I just yeah had the um at home pregnancy test. It was I don't know like the light pink like first response or something, and mm. it was like it was a Monday and I was at work and I knew that we had given it like a really decent crack because I was like we're going to try for three months and I'm going to try and get pregnant, and so <laughs> I, it was in my mind of like this would be amazing if it happened, but wasn't expecting it. Anyways, I was sitting at work and I was just like squeeze it like feeling my boobs because I was like my boobs feel sore and I typically don't have sore boobs when I'm about to get my period so it mm. was a little bit weird and I just like kept feeling my boobs but just like was like maybe something maybe not and I can't remember I think I stopped on my way home at chemist warehouse to get a test I don't think I had any um so I stopped on my way home but I also like knew that it was 
I, I knew that you're supposed to do it like first P of the day um, is when you get the most accurate result. And I also knew that I was really early to find, if, if I were to find out, it would be really early. So I was like, oh, it's probably mm-hmm. not going to go even if I am because it's the afternoon, X, Y, and Z. Um, and then got home, Mac was home from work already. And I was like, to her, my boobs are sore, like I'm going to do a test. Um, did the test and then like went back to look at it. And it, I, I wish that we waited and just did it the next morning because <laughs> like it was the faintest, faintest, faintest line. Mm. Like I was holding it up in all these different lights, but <laughs> I knew that I could see it. And I was like, if there's a faint line, there's a line. And my yeah. friend who had was pregnant at the time, um, she had sort of a very similar first result to her pregnancy test. So I like took some photos and sent them to her. And I had done this in previous months when we weren't even trying, but took some photos <laughs> and sent them to her. And then she just started calling me. And it was at that point, I was like, she can see the line too. Anyways, picked <laughs> up the phone and she was like, there is a line. And I was like, oh my gosh. Like, And Mac, Mac still was like, there is no line. Like you guys are crazy. <laughs> Anyways, we went for a walk on the beach and I was just, I knew, I was just like, I'm pregnant and this is Mm. crazy. But he was like, stop saying that. There's no line. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Next morning, Matt goes to work. Matt goes to work at very crazy early hours. So he went to work like 4 a.m. And then I woke up and straight away at like 5 a.m. went and took a test. And I took the test, put it in the drawer and then waited the three minutes or whatever, opened the drawer. And then like there was definitely a line <laughs> and I like took a photo of it and you could actually see the line on the photo this time. <laughs> and I just texted yeah. that photo to Mac and I said like can you see the line now and he said yeah I can see it now and that was pretty much how we found out <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah amazing and did you like did you know you wanted to have a midwife for your care did you know where to look like what was that experience like for you yeah I I knew I wanted to have a midwife just because to be honest, like I, I, I didn't, I don't really know why people have obstetricians if they're like, if nothing's Mm. wrong, but like, I mean, each to their own, but I've not been educated Mm. on what an obstetrician does as opposed to a midwife. So I've always like known about midwives as opposed to obstetricians. Um, But also, yeah, I was really, I knew that midwives were, um quite hard to come by but I also Mm. like we found out we were pregnant I think like honestly a week before my period was even due so I found out super super early and my friend had used Carmen as her midwife so I just like very I was just like instantly sort of messaged Carmen on Instagram and was like hey like I had a positive pregnancy test Mm -hmm. do you have space for this date and and she did so was able I knew I needed to get onto it early and yeah just midwife was always my first and only option really yeah yeah amazing cool and how were you feeling in your first trimester from there like did you have many pregnancy symptoms in the first sort of yeah 12 weeks I was pretty lucky with the first trimester but there were from about probably I probably had like 10 hard days and it was at about week eight and they were like quite hard days. Just like, I was Mm. so, so tired. I remember going to bed at like seven o'clock and sleeping for like 12 hours. I'd wake up and just feel like so hungover and nauseous Mm. and just just felt really average. Um, 
but it only lasted for 10 days and I was so grateful and oh my gosh like I always say I've said with like multiple things like God chooses his warriors because I was not going to be able to survive man like those <laughs> two days I think Nick was just like holy heck because I was just yeah. feeling so sorry for myself but it was pretty hard to fast for the 10 days and then other than that I felt like really really good and just really excited about it all and yeah I was yeah, as you'll hear, my pregnancy in general was just a really beautiful time for me. Yeah, amazing. And did you choose to do all of the sort of standard testing that's offered in your pregnancy? Yeah, we did the standard testing plus the NIP test. I actually did mm-hmm. not do the diabetes test, though. So, no, we actually didn't do yeah. the standard testing. Didn't do the diabetes test and did do the NIP test. We did the NIP test because I was so desperate to find out the gen- the gender. Mm-hmm. Again, like I'm just someone who needs to know all the things. And we didn't do the diabetes test because um, it was a combination of laziness and just like I didn't have any of the indicators and I just didn't think it was necessary for us. Yeah, 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 fair enough. Awesome. And I know that you have obviously a really successful business and you have been sort of working throughout your whole pregnancy. So how did you find juggling growing a baby and (laughs) working so you know like working really hard in your business and did you find there were moments where you sort of had to take a step back from that or were you just feeling really good for the majority of the time I felt really good for the majority of the time and because like in my first and second and early third trimester I was still very like mobile and very Mm. like on my feet with my job I think work actually kept me like really fit and moving which was amazing um and amazing for recovery as well after it but yeah I felt I felt fine like in terms Mm. of like my first second trimester there was I think it when it came to my third trimester there was like a lot going on with work and I do like there was a few sleepless nights that definitely weren't caused by the pregnancy but I remember thinking like this is so bad for me and the baby that I'm like so stressed out in my Mm -hmm. third trimester and x y and z and then I and then as you'll hear I ended up going overdue but I was like this baby's not coming because I'm too stressed (laughs) and blah 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 but um yeah I mean it all sort of feels like a blur now like work was just Mm -hmm. I'm someone who like goes all in with everything that I do and you know when I was pregnant the baby was really just along for the ride. So I was just really Mm -hmm. continuing on my normal life with work. And we did that up until she arrived. And then in my last trimester, we basically, people that know Real Red Food and know me will know this now, but Real Red Food has actually been sold. And Real Red Food went, well, we settled on the, 5th of May and Wynn was born on the 26th of April so in my last trimester is when I actually decided that I wanted to think about selling the business so in January I spoke to a business broker and it was just a combination of like I have always wanted to be a mother and I knew that again I'm an all-in person and I, I, I knew that I didn't want to try and do both because I, mm. I want to enjoy my fir- her first few years, like just me and her. I'll never get the time back again. And I, I couldn't see myself being able to have my hand in those two massive roles in my life. 
And mm. selling real red food was always an end goal for me. Like it's so awesome to start and build a business, but it really is the cherry on top of the cake when someone wants to buy it from you. It's like you've built something mm. that actually works as as a business and as a model in the marketplace. Yeah. So that was I was like, well, maybe I should like give it a crack and like see if anything happens. Like mm. because probably again take a year to sell um and we also have max career on the horizon which will probably take mm. us out of mount monganui so there's like a whole lot of moving parts and i was like let's list it and we listed it in february and you know I, i'm i'm ha- i've got another few i thought to myself i've got another few years in me if i need to so let's list it now and hopefully it sells before we need it to sell when we go um to move with max career anyways we ended up being in a due diligence period, like in the late stages of my first trimester, uh, third trimester, sorry. And then we um, went unconditional, like early April. And then there was just like getting a whole, so the due diligence period was really intense. Like there's obviously a lot that needs to be worked out between Mm. the buyer and the seller but then also once we realized like it was a done deal and we went unconditional it was just getting everything sorted so they could take over on originally it was supposed to be the first of may and you know i was going to be like she came late so it was like Mm. i had to have everything sorted before so it was just very very intense that last trimester but now that i think about it it was like the biggest blessing because i just feel so chill and relaxed and like i've done all Mm. the hard work needed to do and I think about going through those first few months of this year with a newborn and I just would be not okay (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah that is huge news Hannah and I know that you said like you know lots of people that you're close with will already know um know this but yeah I just like so happy for you obviously that you've found the right person to sell to and you've built this incredible business and I know that there'll be people listening to this who are just like so um, interested in the fact that you've sold it. So I guess what does that look like for you at the moment? Because we like we see on Instagram sometimes that you're still going into real red food and um, you sort of were when when was first born as well. So what has that sort of transition looked like for you? Yeah, so they we ended up settling a little bit later just because of some bank documents, but we ended up settling on the 5th of May. And so literally like we were supposed to settle on the 1st and I I was going from, I remember we were leaving the hospital to go to the birthing center. And like, I was like literally drive, like Mac was driving and we had like the lawyers on the speakerphone in the car. Like it was, that was just, it, it was, as soon as she was born, it was sort of like work mode to some extent, just getting it over the line. But then once everything we settled and everything was done come the 5th of May, I sort of was able to switch off really for a few weeks um, Mm -hmm. because my my employee at the time, she's employed by the new owners now, but she was sort of handling the first two weeks of this handover period. Um, So in those first two weeks of May, I was just, you know, tapping away on my laptop, supporting them where I could and just getting everything ready in terms of like standard operating procedures that maybe needed to be clarified a bit further. And I was just doing that from home. Um, And then my two weeks of handover started sort of mid mid-May and that looked like me just going into work it was like Monday Tuesday Wednesday I was going to go in in the mornings 
but the first um I did that for one week and it was just like really intense and again it was Mm. like a thank goodness that I've sold this business because I can't even go in like it was really intense to go in for like three hours with her Mm. back-to-back days um and like again we'll probably touch on it later but it's sort of through us in terms of like me spacing out feeds a little bit too much because like you know Mm. I wasn't really wanting to whip out my boob in front of these people that just purchased my business and it was just and then when sort of didn't put on the weight that she was supposed to and I just said to them there like I can do majority of this handover from home. So then the following mm-hmm. week, I think I went in on the Monday, but then other than that, now I'm just working from home, just doing um, little bits of handover that I still, like if they've even, ever got questions, I'll jump on the phone with them or jump on a Zoom with them and talk them through mm-hmm. that. But really they're pretty much fully in control of the business now. I've sort of taught them all they need to know. So over the next sort of five, four and a half months or so, I am doing a marketing contract with them so I'm just working eight hours a week and purely just on marketing support so you'll see my face a lot less on real red food probably you won't see my face at all on real red food but I am supporting in the background with more strategy and sort of I guess slowly handing over the reins to the new owners with that um, and just Mm. making sure we've got like a really good backing of, I guess, creators that are creating content for us now because that was a really large part of my role. But yeah, basically Mm. my, I just, I'm working eight hours a week, which just is craziness. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be working for them. Yeah. For another four and a half months. And then I'm fully unemployed slash, I don't know, retired, I say. (laughs) (laughs) you're a stay-at-home mom now girlfriend so cool yeah I know so fun and I think like I was saying to Mac again because a lot of my time what used to be like creating content for real red food I've really found like a love again for creating content just like under my own I suppose you'd call it like personal brand so it's been really fun to like have time for that again because I really do love like real red food was created because I loved connecting Mm. with people online and I still love that so Mm. much but we just, you know, ended up building this big machine that I sort of mm-hmm. was you know, manning and it, my job was really quite logistical and whatnot, whereas now I can really, you know, figure out sort of what I want to do again in terms of, I don't know, future yeah. ventures or whatever that may look like. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. That is so cool. And, yeah, very, very happy and excited for you. Okay, so let's get back to your pregnancies. So yeah. did you do any antenatal classes, any birth education? What were your sort of thoughts around, yeah, learning more about birth? Yes, so I did um, hatched antenatal in person, but that's Carmen's antenatal class. Um, and that was really yeah. cool. Like I had a friend who was also in my group and I met a few other people through there that you know I'll catch up with um but yeah learned lots there and it was just like a really nice way for Mac and I to like think about baby time I suppose because our Mm -hmm. our lives were so busy with work that sometimes you just like yeah I don't know we just it was nice to make time for that we'd often go out for dinner before and it was a really nice time um and then other than that I I read the um oh what's it called Ina Ina May Gaskin Ina? Uh, Ina May Gaskin yeah yeah, and what is it like childbirth? Like your guide to childbirth? I don't a guide know. to childbirth. 
yeah. I think that was one I read. And mostly I got, I just read all of the positive birth stories at the start of that book and they were amazing. And then mm-hmm. obviously listened to like every single one of your podcasts. And I also did mm-hmm. the Your Birth Project hypnobirthing course. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I was like, and I, I did that probably I did that in the summer holidays so I would have been 20 something weeks the first time I did it yeah and then I did the course again well I listened to like little segments of the course again like in my like last trimester sort of like a week out from giving birth just like focused on the breathing one and got Mac to listen to the partner one again which he was like very keen to do because it is kind of hard. like the guys really don't know what they're in for um and yeah. he wanted to try and be prepared as he could but yeah, that, that was amazing, and I really enjoyed, even, it might sound weird, but I did a lot of Pilates in my pregnancy as well, and I just remember, like, always, mm. like tuning into my breath a whole lot more, even in Pilates, and just, like, trying to, like, you know, when my muscles were hurting, just thinking yeah. about, like, breathing through it, and just using what we learned mm. in the Your Birth Project course and other mm. aspects in the lead up to it. Because I'm, I've never been into like meditation and stuff, so I was quite a rookie. <laughs> yeah, awesome, cool. And did you have like thoughts on how you wanted your birth to go? Did you have a birth plan? What were your um, ideas about how you wanted your birth to play out? Yeah, I definitely had thoughts. <laughs> um, I <laughs> was like very much trying to like speak my birth into existence. I guess you could say. Yeah. So. Yeah. I I think start like I would say to people like I am going to have like a vaginal birth and I'm I'm not gonna um I'm not gonna have intervention and X, mm. Y, and Z. And I was like very keen on that idea. Um and I, you know, would say things like we were we were made to do this and like we are made to do this. And I also mm. want to preface that like I am such an advocate for consuming positive birth stories. I consumed so many positive Mm -hmm. birth stories and I felt, and I'd always knew that like I'd envisioned myself coming onto your podcast and like sharing a really positive birth story. And I do think my birth story is a positive birth story, but it did not go to plan, but I don't Mm -hmm. think, and, and it made me think like, Oh, maybe I'm not like doing any good putting this out into the world because that isn't like that wasn't what I wanted to consume when I was pregnant but Mm. I think what came out of my I guess change to my birth plan was that like it was actually okay and I actually still had a positive Mm. experience even though my birth plan did change and I was someone who was like very like my birth plan is going to be this but I really don't feel Mm. that disappointed by it but look like to answer your question yes I had a birth plan and it was like intervention free natural really happy vibe childbirth <laughs> mm, yeah amazing and I obviously know that you had a cesarean section so before we talk through your birth story do you remember in your pregnancy like did you learn anything about cesareans were you listening to any c-section birth stories or were you just sort of avoiding that altogether yeah good question um I don't think I was avoiding it but there were so many other things that I will click on before that. So like, I, yeah, yeah. I, I really didn't listen to that many. Um, 
I didn't listen to that many birth stories. Obviously, Ina May's book had zero C-section stuff in it. <laughs> she was like, go yeah. for a walk or something anyways. Um, and then, like, again, I didn't really – I probably zoned out a lot in terms of, like, when we would learn about that in antenatal mm. and, and the other resources that I con- consumed. Um, mm. So, no, I really – sort of I think what I was doing was like I was trying to like manifest to some degree Mm, like subconsciously so like I wasn't really consuming it because I was like that is not going to happen and I need to like speak that into existence Mm. so not really to be honest Mm. yeah I get that I think like and I I going off in a tangent a bit here but I think you know like we we talk about positive birth stories and we talk about like manifesting this birth experience and you know, I talk about a lot in the Your Birth Project course, like your birth library and what you're filling it with and how that, like, you know, shapes the way that you subconsciously feel about birth and then that has an impact when your labour starts and all of that. And I just think it's, like, it's funny. And I think hearing you say, like, you still had a positive birth experience is exactly the point for me of, like, the Your Birth Project course, for example, is that you can still have a positive birth experience when it doesn't go to plan. It's all about, like having the information that you need and feeling supported and like you've got choices or that you're making an informed choice and you understand what's happening. And, you know, like, I just think it's so important and you are now an amazing advocate in this space because you've got this incredible online community as well to share your story and go, Hey, like I did, I did try really hard to manifest this vaginal birth that was drug free and um everything that I wanted it to be and my birth plan didn't go that way and it was still a positive experience I think like it's really important for people to hear those stories as well yeah definitely and like you know I had said to Mm -hmm. things like I said to Mac when we were discussing his role in the birth like you need to like I was like I'm probably gonna ask for an epidural at some point but you need to advocate for me and like and really challenge me on when I want that and Mm -hmm. I guess again we'll go into it but it's I like really had to look him in the eyes and I was like listen to me now boy I need (laughs) to go to the hospital (laughs) yeah yeah but yeah I it was yeah I just have such positive feelings about it and I um I also I Mm. I guess my birth plan yeah was very I had a very solid idea of what the ideal would be and I didn't have like a massive idea of what um, sort of backup options could be, but I did, Mm. I, I did know, and I do think that this came into play in terms of what actually happened. I did know that I would prefer a C-section than the other forms of intervention, for example, Mm -hmm. forceps or the sucky cup thing. Mm -hmm um yeah and as you'll hear like we just didn't get close to that so c-section the decision was made but yeah I am very stoked with the fact that we made the call when we did and like Mm. again like it needed to happen when it happened so I'm like I the decisions that were made on that day were all the best decisions yeah amazing and were you doing anything if you just like jumped back a step to prepare for birth like were you doing antenatal expressing were you drinking the teas and eating the dates (laughs) what what, what did your sort of birth prep look like yeah so I started 
antenatal expressing, so getting colostrum at, I think, what, 36 or something weeks? Um, mm-hmm. And I loved doing that because Wynn was pretty quiet in, in my belly. Like, sometimes, like, she, she didn't move around heaps. Um, but when I would do the antenatal expressing, like I'd get like lots of little breaks and hicks and like, she'd just get really active. So like every night it was just a, a nice way for like me to feel her and like B, I was so excited to breastfeed and, um, it was like, Oh, like there's stuff coming out of my boobs. Like it was just cool. And I knew that it was going to be, um, really helpful for her when she did arrive. So I was stoked to be able to get colostrum. And the first night it took me like ages to like get one mil. And then I just started, I, I think I w- went to the hospital with like 50 mils or something. Like it was crazy. Um, yeah, apparently they amazing. were like corridors that they were calling me like a milk machine or something. So I was just like, <laughs> this is like the ultimate compliment to me. But I did antenatal expressing. Yeah. I ended up getting that supplement 5W because I don't, I'm not a big tea drinker. And they were like, oh, just take the supplement. So I t- took those. I was eating, I was trying to eat dates, but I've owned, I owned Real Red Food for six years and we make a lot of date-based slices. And I tell you, I've <laughs> yeah. eaten a few dates in my time and I can't really think of anything worse. But I did manage to like, I would have a smoothie and I'd put like a couple dates in my smoothie. So I probably got through like a one of those tubs of medial dates. Um, and then I like bounced on my little ball, um, tried to force myself to have sex a few times. <laughs> <laughs> It really is like forcing at the end of a pregnancy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, literally. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Cool. And talk us through, yeah, the final sort of week um, being pregnant and did you sort of feel like labor was coming? How far along were you? And then into your labor and birth story. Yeah. So I think it was, I, I was obviously approaching my due date and I had always thought in my head, I will go late. And I think I set that precedent for myself because I didn't want to be disappointed. And, you know, Mm. apparently most people with their first go late. So I was like, I'm going to go late. That's what I'm going to tell myself. Because I don't want the time to drag out when every day I'm thinking from like, I had a friend and like, I feel so sorry for her because I I went to her baby shower. She was about 36 weeks. And I remember her saying to me, I'm going to have the baby this week. And she, the poor thing, didn't end up having a baby until like 40 maybe on it maybe she's a due date baby anyway so that sort of Mm. made me feel like I'm gonna say I'm gonna go late but then when I actually did start to go late I was like oh this is really quite mentally hard because all of the people Mm. around me that were like supposed to even people that were due after me were having babies and everyone was having the babies and I wasn't having the baby and I didn't really think that things were moving in that direction so my due date came and went And then I guess there was the other element of I kept thinking like, okay, so it'd be great if I went quite early in terms of like my available, my availability for when the business settles, or it'd be (laughs) great if I went really late because then again, I'd be available and still pregnant by the time it settles. And I was just like so annoyed that I was constantly trying to think of like when the best time for her to come would be for the, for work. And I was like, stop thinking like that. Like that is what is mm. like, that's not right. I just like needed her to come when she wanted to come. But we ended up having, because of the work stuff and whatnot, we were like trying to, I was really kind of getting quite stressed about it. Um, and I mm. did actually, that was one thing I didn't mention. I did get a few sessions of acupuncture. So 
I got, I had two sessions, I think, and then I was booked in on the day before I went into labor. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I was booked in for like an induction acupuncture thing, but I ended up going into labor. Yeah. Anyways, well, I had a stretch and sweep at 40 plus four. 40, day, 40 weeks plus four days, I, I had a stretch and sweep and Carmen said that I, like she said sort of she was able to give it like a pretty good go. Like she, I was like one centimeter mm. or whatever so you could get a finger in there and like really give it a good go apparently. Mm. And then after that stretch and sweep, um, Mac and I, it was Anzac Day and I thought we were going to have her on Anzac Day because that was the day that Mac and I got engaged, the day, the year before, but mm-hmm. that didn't happen. Anyways, we went out to lunch and we were like standing in line waiting to be seated. And I just like felt like a little mini gush. And I was like, Mm. it's not we and it's not anything else. Like, I think that that's something. Anyways, I went to the toilet Mm. and it was like, it was sort of blood stained. um, And it was just like a lot more and it was just different to normal. And I was like, I think this is my waters, but I wasn't 100% sure. Anyways, went down um, and we had lunch. I just had like a pad and it was fine. And then again, when I stood up, I had like another little gush and it probably happened one more time, but wasn't a hundred percent sure. Um, and, but I told Carmen and then I think it was, the plan was that that if I didn't go into labor overnight, we would meet at the hospital at 9am to sort of test if it was my waters. Carmen had also said to like, if we wanted to give it a real decent go, we should try and have sex. Anyways, we like tried to have sex and like my waters definitely broke like during sex which is hilarious Mm. um Mm. and uh then I was like to come in definitely like it is my waters um and then shortly after that I started to feel sort of like a little bit different like I started to feel I think early stages of contractions but like they were sort of all over Mm -hmm. the place I didn't even tell Matt because we were sort of like just sitting on the couch and I you know, I, I wasn't sure. Um, anyways, we went into bed and I was like, I think something might be happening, but I'm not sure. So like, let's go to bed. And then I was in bed from about 10 till midnight. They started to get like a little bit more regular. Um, and I, at about sort of 11, I think I got up out of bed and I was, I was ready to put my tens machine on. Um, so woke back up just to help me put, put the stickers on my back. And I was like, you go back to sleep and I'm just going to go into the lounge. So went into the lounge, we'd had a fire going that day and like, it was still sort of like embering, which was so nice. And then I had these little spiky balls. I had my timer and I had my tens machine on and I was just like chilling in the lounge. Um, 
and they were at that point they were already coming every five minutes um and they mm -hmm. were lasting for about like 40 seconds or so so like the, that was the sort of, that was a thing with my labor like it wasn't a slow start like it it was although it wasn't super intense at the start like I wasn't getting much like I, I wasn't sleeping in between them sort of thing but my contractions yeah. would come I'd yeah. like press my timer I'd get my spiky balls and I'd like do my breathing and I did that and then I got Mac up out of bed and at about one and I told him that we probably started to we needed to start thinking about getting things ready because my app was telling me like Carmen said you know call me at 311 so contractions every mm. three minutes last a minute for an hour and they had sort of been like that from about midnight and we were approaching like two and I was like well I this is according to what I've been told this is when I'm supposed to go but I think in retrospect well, I know in retrospect, they sort of were like between like 45, they were lasting about 45 seconds, not like a full minute. Mm. Anyways, I thought they were sort of, because they were coming so quick, I was like, I think we need to go. Like, I'm in, I'm an active lady. Yeah. Let's like get things going. So mm -hmm. we exported the little app thing, said it's coming and come was like, yeah, I'll meet you at the birthing center. So got in the car, you know, I was classic, like in the back seat, facing out towards the back of the car, like having my contractions and, you know, in between, like, Mac had, like, created this birth playlist, but, like, it was, like, bangers, so it was, like, you know, cool, like, mm -hmm. sing-along songs, so I was, like, singing yeah. to the song between the contractions, and again, in retrospect, that's probably not what you do in active labor, but, like, <laughs> all driving along, got to the birth center, walked up, walked into the birthing center, and I found out later that, because I saw the midwives that were there when we first rocked up and they were like, oh yeah, like we thought you looked a bit too happy to be arriving. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> get there and I get checked by Carmen and I was two centimetres and I was like, oh gosh, mm -hmm. like, and she, well, she said that and it didn't really register to me like what that meant, but she was like two centimetres, mm. like, two centimetres and I was like, oh, jeepers. And then, so she like sort of kept looking at me and then she's like, so we're, we're probably going to have to head home. And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like, and then she's like, yeah, because like, if, if you stay here, I have to stay with you the whole time. And like, we've got a while to go. And I was like, that is so fair yeah. enough. Um, so we made the plan to go home. Carmen said that they needed to get longer and they needed to get more intense. And when she said that, I sort of like raised my eyebrow because I was like, oh, really like yeah. <laughs> they feel quite intense um yeah. and then she was like and I'll come to your house to check you next time so I was like sweet as got in the car got home and she's like try get some rest have a bath whatever and I was like cool I can do this you know I'd listen to all the like, I'd listen to people people's stories where they had gone home and they had like sat on the toilet and they had gone to like 10 centimeters in a few hours and I was like that's what's going to happen to me so I was like trying to force myself to sit on the toilet got in the bath was trying to rest in between but that wasn't happening and I anyways from about between about 2 a.m till 4 a.m they like really increased in intensity for me I think yeah it just like ramped up massively in terms of the intensity slash pain um mm. and I just at about 4 a.m I said Mac you need to call Carmen because she needs to come check me and if I'm not progressing I need to go to the hospital. And he was like, yeah, yeah, like sort of thing. 
Um, and then he got on the phone with her, said that I was wanted to be checked, um, and said something like, she is mentioning the word epidural, but like that is our last resort. <laughs> like trying to be this beautiful advocate for me and what I wanted. But anyway, so then Carmen arrived at about 4.30 a.m. And I like laid on my bed in the bedroom and there's a photo of it, which is so funny. It's so funny to look back on for me now, which I guess it's good that it's humorous. But she checks me again and I was just like watching her face and she was like, yeah, so you're still two centimeters. And I was like, oh my gosh, take me to the hospital right now. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is crazy. I need pain relief. And and then Mac was sort of like, are you sure? And I just, that was when I said to him, like, look me in the eyes. I am not kidding you when I say I need to go to the hospital. And he was like, sweet as, let's go. Anyway, so yeah. got in the car again went off to the hospital, arrived at the hospital at about 5 a.m. And Carmen had said, like, because I said, like, yeah, tell me the hospital, I want epidural. She was like, you actually won't be able to have the epidural yet. And I was like, what the heck? I didn't know that rule. Like, I thought I could do whatever I wanted. So they were like, but we can give you morphine. And I was like, oh, okay, it better work sort of thing. Got to the hospital I remember I had a contraction and then as soon as that finished, just like jumped out of the car, started boosting past the security because I just like knew I was going to have another one. And I like wasn't <laughs> everything out the door at that point. I still had my spiky balls, still had the TENS machine, but I was getting pretty flustered by it. Um, mm -hmm. And then got past the security guards and just like had another contraction and they just like wheeled this um, wheelchair up to me and was like, you have to sit, you have, like, you have to sit on this, and I was like, okay, whatever, like, sat on it, Max started wheeling me, and I was, like, doing the whole, like, ooh, like, I don't know, it's, mm -hmm. it, like, I, it was, it was wild, and then mm -hmm. got up to the maternity ward, like, as you'll probably hear through this, I just do think I'm quite a dramatic person, because, like, got back up off the, off the wheelchair as soon as the contraction was over, started boosting again. We're like trying to find this room and try find Carmen. And Mac, I think, had left his phone in the car. And then I get another contraction. I'm just like fall down to my hands and knees in the middle of the corridor, like having this contraction. Like, I'm just, like when I look back on it, I'm just like, oh my goodness, Hannah, like you are so dramatic. <laughs> um, found Carmen and then very quickly after that, like was sort of got the um, – morphine and got hooked up to all the things um and then it was pretty much like time to rest and I this part is the most hazy part for me and I did read over my birth notes last night but I'm not gonna lie like the handwriting is that bad that it's quite, <laughs> uh, we got handed over to the nurses and I really can't read it but I don't know maybe there was a different sort of drug as well but basically at about five I got given the morphine and then from about five to nine it was sort of just like resting and I do think I slept a bit but I was definitely like still getting contractions but I think that they started to space out yeah they started to space yeah. out a bit um and so the call was made to give me syntocinin at about nine. And with the syntocinin, I was allowed to have the epidural. So I was like, sweet. Because the, yeah, the contractions were just still really not nice. And I was just wanted to be yeah. numb anyway. So, well, yeah. I, and that was another thing, like, again, all or nothing personality. I was either going natural or I was either like completely <laughs> full of everything. 
<laughs> yeah, so, I totally get that. Yeah, so we got they were they wanted to give me the symposium to like you know get the contractions being like longer and more often, and then the and a and a anesthesiologist guy came and gave me the the epidural and you know the classic like trying to be still during contractions was not that nice but it was all good and then I I fully slept from like 9am till midday sorry there was probably a check as well so at about 9am before the epidural when um the contractions were slowing down I probably think that I got checked and I was still two centimeters so they were like yep let's and get the induction medication going give you the epidural and then you can sleep and then I was like you know I'll get the epidural I'll everything will relax because I knew that my whole body was tensing up with these contractions Mm. like I was like rubbing my legs together like I just was so tense um Mm. and I was like it'll be great get the epidural everything I'll just relax and whatnot so I slept from nine till midday and then I got checked at about midday and I was like I'm probably you know I can't feel any pressure but surely I'm dilating (laughs) um because I just was asleep for so long and then I got checked and I was three centimeters and I was just like oh my goodness and at this point we were approaching 24 hours since my waters had broken so that was Mm. I was on antibiotics as well um but I I like at that midday check I think that um one of the doctors came as well to check and I just like started to I was like this is going a bit sideways in terms of my vaginal Mm. birth because I'm not dilating and how can I be any more relaxed down there um Mm. but she wasn't I think she at that point was having some like D cells is maybe what they were calling it. Like she, like her heart was just starting to not cope that well, but it wasn't Mm. super, it was, it was okay. So they decided at that point alongside the doctor to like, I think they like doubled my syntocin in and they were like, okay, we want to see you progress like a centimeter every half an hour from, from now I'm pretty sure was what the aim was um I was like okay sweet like hopefully this works um and then they left us again and basically between about 12 and 3 p.m her heart rate or her heart struggled with the increase in syntocin so we were Mm. sort of in between a rock and a hard place like they couldn't give me more syntocin because her heart wasn't really coping with it Mm. but I still wasn't progressing um and they did this little test on the top of her head and they could tell that the head was swollen and I think uh, it was a blood test I don't think that the blood results showed anything major but the swelling of the head like wasn't a great sign for them and also the Mm. fact that it got to 3 p.m and I was still three centimeters like when they Mm. did that check it I was still three centimeters the heart wasn't looking great that was like the first time I got like emotional because I was just like this isn't working like how am I three Mm. centimeters right now when it's been this long and I've had this much medication um Mm. and so but and also alongside that my epidural started to wear off on one side and so I started getting like quite flustered because I knew that I had this induction medication pumping through me and I like mm. had PTSD from like the earlier, earlier on the previous night. 
so I was sort of like, okay, like I'm feeling it on this left-hand side. And then they like sort of got me to lie on my side and then it sort of went away. But then it's like, it really started to wear off. And I was like, okay, I need, we either need to top up my epidural or we're going to make the call to have a C-section and I'll get a spinal. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, the call was made to have a C-section alongside the advice of the doctor. Um, and I just remember Carmen walking back in after we had made that call and I just like burst into tears. But I don't know, I wasn't crying because I was upset that it wasn't going to plan. I think I was emotional because, you know, we were starting to hear murmurs of like, we're not coping and obviously her health was mm. my main priority and that was scary. But also like, I've never had um, a surgery. I've never broken a bone. And I think for mm. me, pushing a baby out was a lot less scary than getting like major abdominal surgery. And mm. I also was thinking back to my mum, who is who had a C-section with my twin brothers. I remember her telling us a story of like the doctors like didn't give her enough of this medication and like mm. of the of the spinal or something, and she could like sort of like feel them do something, and then they gave her too much. And I was just and I was like again thinking about work, being like, how mm. am I? I'm going to be in the hospital for like four weeks or something like I just had no idea because I had done no education once again I like didn't think I was going to be able to drive for six weeks and all these thoughts were running through my head but we decided to have the c-section and that meant that they were like we can get you in there in half an hour and you'll get the spinal you'll be totally numb and I was like okay sweet as like give me the gas and I'll just make it through the next half an hour and we won't bother topping up this um epidural but then it ended up taking like an hour to get to the the, the theater. Um, and I think like, as soon as we said like, yeah, it's C-section time, like for some reason, the epidural just like totally wore off. And I mm. think that the most traumatic part of my birth, if there was anything of that was just like the amount of pain that I was in when I was like being wheeled into that theater. And it just made mm. the whole thing because it, it wasn't, it was considered an emergency C-section, but like there was no imminent threat to life sort of thing. So yeah, yeah, I feel yeah. like if I had still like been numb and, I didn't have those contractions I would have been okay but honestly it just felt like I had a massive contraction for like half an hour before that c-section mm. and it felt like yeah just when they were doing the spinal like it, it was just all like quite a flustered experience um yeah but then got the spinal and I they were like you know again my mum's words were like floating through my head because they were like spraying the cold spray on me and they're like could you feel that and I was like yeah like I can definitely feel tingling and they're like you know you'll be able to feel tingling can you feel cold and I was like I don't know but can we just like wait a little bit like I just like was so scared (laughs) that I was gonna feel them cut me open but anyways then they like started to do it and I was just like lying there just like petrified sort of um and mm. I remember like the the lady telling one of her like assistants to like she was like okay just push down as hard as you can at the top of her tummy and I was like oh my gosh this is so bizarre like this is mm. just crazy um I was also like extremely thirsty and had really bad shakes but apparently yeah the shakes thing is common I'm not sure how common the thirst thing mm. is but I like felt so dehydrated um and mm. then she came out um, and they sort of showed her over to us and 
that was another concerning thing to me because I just I really you know thought that would be like a big moment for me like seeing her mm. but I honestly just was like uh, like okay she's here it was it was very odd um there was like no tears I think as well because there wasn't a big scream and because I had been so flustered by the pain of it before the spinal and I don't know I was just mm. quite out of it there'd been like a lot of medication and that sort of thing um but yeah, so she she was having what did it say? She was flat. She was flat at birth or something. Anyway, she wasn't screaming. Um, and then they sort of took her off to the side, and I I don't think I'd call it like resuscitation, but they gave her some oxygen, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And then yeah, they did the lactate test, and she had a really bad like lactate blood score or something. Um, mm -hmm. So were some talks of when going into NICU but she improved really dramatically um within the first few hours so yeah, yeah she she was born and sort of come and brought her over to me and like there's videos I think I sent one through to you but like Carmen's like put it Carmen's videoing and I'm just like shake shivering and I and mm. I say like oh I thought she was taking a photo and I was like oh I should probably try and smile and I remember looking mm. back at that and I was like, oh, that's so sad. Like I was just mm. so like, but now I'm like, I, now that I know, you know, once I was in recovery for an hour and like, you know, she, she latched onto my boob and everything, it was absolutely fine. But at the time mm. I was just like very much out of it. And do you remember like, I don't know, because I've had a C-section too. Um, do you remember any like pain or because I know people think about C-sections and like you think about this huge abdominal surgery, which it is. And I know that you said like, you know, they were really cautious to make sure that you actually couldn't feel anything. But when they were actually doing the surgery, do you remember feeling anything at all? No, there was no pain, but I did mm. feel like, and they had explained to me like, I will feel like you'll feel pulling or like sort of like mm, rummaging mm. a little bit. And like, but no. And I guess like to give some people peace of mind with the whole C-section thing. Cause I was petrified. I will like, I am 80 to 90% sure that I would elect a C-section next time. And mm. I guess, like, and that I guess goes to show that like, it actually was totally fine. I was just scared because mm. I had it before, but no, there was no pain and it wasn't overly scary. It was just um, yeah. different and kind of, yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you go to recovery and I think you said that they, you know, help you latch her on and all of that sort of stuff. How long did you spend in recovery and then what sort of happened once you went back to your room? Yeah, so went into recovery and they took Mac and Wynn to recovery to, so that Wynn could get skin on skin with one of us and it wasn't going to be me. I don't know why it wasn't me. I don't know why. I was out of mm. it probably. So Mac ended up doing skin to skin with Win in recovery. And then I got wheeled into recovery and then I got to do skin to skin. And I think we tried to um, latch her on in recovery. And then I think I remember Carmen like um, manually expressing colostrum or something, mm. <laughs> but like uh, I was just still shaking so much and uh, like the thirst was just so crazy for me and I'm someone who just always gets really thirsty but like Mac probably filled up 
a cup of water about eight times and I was just like guzzling mm. water like Carmen said I've never seen someone drink that much water but so drunk mm. heaps of water and then we got into back in, we got taken to our room and again like I'm fairly sure we were just um she was sort of like just on my boob we were doing skin to skin and then we did have like the pediatrics doctor um come and check her just mm-hmm. because of that bad lactate score and do those like startles and sucking tests um yeah. and yeah there were was a period where it was like we weren't sure if she would stay in the room with us that night um mm. but yeah, she improved really quickly, which apparently newborns can do that. So that was amazing. But I remember, like, I mm. knew that she, I knew that she had been like sucking on my boob, and like then I, I was watching the doctor like do the sucking test, and I was just like, oh my gosh, like she's not sucking her thumb. I was like, she's definitely been sucking on my boob. Like, <laughs> come on, Lynn, suck her thumb. But um, yeah, and then it was kind of like time to go to sleep and then the nurses like had said they'll wake me up every three hours or whatever it was to feed her um and mm. I'm lucky enough to that because that was one thing I like didn't want to I didn't I really wanted to be with Mac and I knew that if we stayed in the hospital which we would have to do if I went to the hospital um I thought that Mac wouldn't be able to stay but we were actually quite mm. lucky that we sort of got away with Mac just sleeping on the um on the little side side yeah seat um Mm. but yeah on like the care like another really healing thing of like the whole experience like you know I was so desperate not to go to hospital but the care that we received that night because we only stayed one night the care that we received that Mm. night was just like phenomenal I ended up we actually knew like one of the like the head like one of the head like nurse midwives we sort of knew Mm. her and I ended up like following her on social media after the fact. And I remember the first time she like posted a story, like we had just maybe gotten home from the birthing center because we went there afterwards. And then like Jordan, who was the nurse, midwife, whatever, um, posted. And like just when I saw her face, I just like bursted into tears at home because mm-hmm. like they were just so, so amazing and made it mm-hmm. so amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes such a difference, I think, when you've got like, you know, a positive experience in hospital and you feel really well cared for for the people that are looking after you. Um, yeah, I think it makes such a huge difference. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And how did you find going home? So you've had, obviously, you've just given birth. You've been through, like, a pretty intense labour and then had a major surgery <laughs> to give birth to your baby. And you stayed in hospital for one night. So what was it like going home? How were you feeling um did you have a lot of pain with your c-section site like yeah talk us through the ins and outs of the next couple of days yeah so the day after um so we gave birth at like quarter to five and then um in the in the evening and then went to sleep that night in the morning after obviously they were keen uh, and I was like keen to get me up and like I was so keen Mm. to have a shower um and I was also extremely keen to get to the birthing center if we could. Um, so we, I got up that morning um, and I mean, it felt like it was like, it was, it was just the sitting up and like moving yourself on the bed. Like that was like kind of, it was difficult to do. But then once mm. I got up and like you, 
feel a bit, I guess, um, unstable on your feet to some degree, mm. but I felt pretty okay. And they were like, I was like really keen to have like a really big shower, but they told me I wasn't allowed to wash my hair. So I was like a bit gutted, but um, mm. had a shower. And then I was told that I needed to wee twice before I was able to leave. So I literally like guzzled so much water because Carmen had said like there's quite a few people that are keen to get to the birthing center today and we're all you're all trying to get discharged and there's only one room so like the competitive <laughs> nature of me came out and I was just like like guzzling yeah. water anyways we ended up getting discharged at about four and got all of our stuff together and headed off to the birthing center but I do remember like that walk out of the hospital was when I kind of really realized the fact that it was quite a major surgery because mm. Mick like is six foot something and was just like walking as he normally would. And I was like a snail trying to like keep up. And I was like, Mick, you're going to have to slow down because like this, it's actually quite hard to walk right now. So that was quite, I was like, wow, this is, this is different. Yeah. Um, but then yeah, we spent our few days in the birthing center. And again, that was just so amazing. I'm so glad we got to go there. It was beautiful and just such a nice mm. time. Um, and then went home after that. And I guess like the first few days at home, um, yeah, I it was just really, we have quite a low couch. So I would notice it when I would like try get up off the couch. But in mm. terms of like walking and just pain, it wasn't too bad. Like I probably stopped taking Panadol. I was taking Tramadol when I was at the birthing center, but I probably stopped that in the first few days at home. Um, mm. Yeah, I've been just overall extremely pleasantly surprised by the recovery side of the C-section. Um, like I think probably, I think it was a week before I even really stepped foot outside, but then when we got to that week mark, we just live like 500 meters down the road from um, a little park. And we really wanted to get our dog Cooper out to go for a run. Um, so we walked down to the park and hit the tennis ball for him. And yeah. And then, you know, every day we'd sort of do that. And then I just slowly started to increase how far I, I would walk. And yeah, my recovery has been really awesome. Like the scar is like so low down and it's actually not that big. Um, and mm. it's, like I look at that scar and I just love it. Like I love it because I, mm. I think of Winnie and it's the best. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like almost yeah. like I've got like a little tattoo to remind me what <laughs> happened to get her here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Amazing. And how were you going with your breastfeeding? So I know you mentioned earlier um, that she wasn't putting on a lot of weight um, for a little while. So how have you gone? Yeah. Since having her with your breastfeeding journey. Yeah, so she um, she only lost like 2% of her birth weight in those first few days. So she had done really well, but I do think that that was because we, like she would feed and then we would top her up with um, he the heaps of colostrum that I collected. Mm -hmm. So that was just like mm -hmm. a really good start. And then from like in those first few weeks, like she put on amazing weight. My milk came in probably on like our first day at home. So that was like on, a, on the fourth day or something like that. Um, and yeah, but my boobs were only sore for like one day, which was again, one thing that I was really pleasantly surprised by. I thought my boobs would just be like sore for weeks and just massive, but my boobs have already settled down in terms of like being a pretty normal size for me. Um, 
but yeah, she was putting on good weight, but I think that, yeah, once I, I also was like doing a lot of social things as well as the work stuff. And I just think that I started to push out the time between feeds because I wasn't super Mm -hmm. confident to feed her out in public. And because I was doing so many things like, yeah, I think my supply maybe suffered a bit because I wasn't feeding frequently enough. And also, um, yeah, I think that I wasn't maybe holding her in like an optimum optimum position. So we ended up mm-hmm. having a lactation consultant come um, just because, yeah, she wasn't – there, uh, there was one week, maybe it was like about her – between her third and her fourth week where she – put on very minimum weight and then between her fourth and her fifth she put on like no weight so Carmen Mm. was like I think we should just get a lactation consultant in to sort of like get it sorted because those first six weeks with breastfeeding are really important so that was quite stressful because like like breastfeeding to me is like just something I really really want to do and I love it um and I was just starting to get concerned like what's going on here because she Mm. had had such weight gain previously but looking at it now and after having that lactation consultant come like it, it there were reasons as to why she wasn't putting on weight like it coincided with like a very big and busy few weeks of my life um so after yeah. that like I just I've been committing to like just being at home a lot um and as soon as she starts to stir my first point of call is like giving her the boob um yeah. but yeah, she she's doing so well with her feeding again now. I do think that our latch was also a little bit average. Like I was sort of holding her and I I forgot that like you're supposed to have their tummy sort of against your tummy. So her tummy was sort of facing up to the ceiling and the latch was just really shallow. Um, mm. And I also think my, my letdown was super forceful, but that made me think that I had good supply. But I think that after the letdown came, it was a little bit average. Um so yeah, just increasing those feeds has increased that supply um, more. And mm. yeah, but like she only feeds like some nights she'll only feed once through the night, and then but she's like she's been an amazing sleeper. And I I think now like I'm not going to stress that much about it, but about the weight thing because she's actually a pretty happy baby. And those two weeks mm. where she was not that happy was when she wasn't putting on weight so I will know like just because we don't see Carmen anymore and Plunkett doesn't come as often I was like oh how am I gonna know if she's putting on weight but you'll not like I I just know that I'll know because she's been so happy the last week or so which has mm-hmm. been amazing but I'm pretty sure feeding's going good again yeah yeah awesome and has there been anything that you've used either for yourself or for when that you've been like, oh my God, every single mom needs this if they can? Like what um, products or things have you done that you'd recommend? A wipeable change mat is amazing because honestly, she mm-hmm. every time I take that nappy from under her bum, she wheezes or poos. No matter how long <laughs> I leave it there for, I don't know what it is about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... I love baby wearing and baby, I, I thought that I was going to be going into work like a lot more than what I probably have been because I've realized now that I can just do my job from home. But so I was really Mm. into to enjoy the baby wearing thing. Um, But yeah, in those first few weeks, we um, used the soft, what is it? Chico, we use that Chico baby wrap that you can actually buy off your birth project store. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 
and that was really cool to just like have her close and be able to get things done or take her down mm. to the park and it's like it's because when was like only seven pound six like and she's quite small the the carrier that I use more often now is the Artie Pope carrier because we're going on more like long walks and it's got structure and it holds during mm. it. But in those early days, that wrap, like the soft wrap um, carriers, carriers were really amazing. And then what else have I written? Oh, you only asked for one. But I'd also say a temperature gauge. <laughs> the temperature gauge, because we live in an old house and it can get quite cold. And also just the bath. Like I wasn't sure. Like we, when and I have a bath most nights together um, and – I like my bath to be really hot, but I have to definitely make it mm. colder for her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, awesome. And is there anything, like, if there's a mum listening to this podcast and she's, like, pregnant and she's going give, to be giving birth soon and she's feeling anxious about just, like, birth in general, is there anything that you'd tell her, anything that you'd suggest doing? Like, now that you've done it, you've been through it, and you're out the other side, what would you go back and tell yourself? Everyone experiences labor like so differently. And, Mm. you know, there's people out there that I had friends that were walking around at four centimeters and they weren't like, they weren't even, they didn't even know. Mm. Yet I labored for like 24 hours and didn't go past three. And it's no Mm. fault of your own or your baby's. It's everyone just experiences it differently. And the Mm. only thing that you need to worry about is or be or look forward to is, you know, the gift that you get on the other side of it. Everyone's going to have such Mm. a different journey. And like, for me, listening to all the positive birth stories and like manifesting this um, drug-free birth was... I don't regret it at all because like I loved learning about that stuff Mm. and I loved, you know, believing that I would do it at the time, but in the moment and what I know now is that having a cesarean was still a beautiful experience. It was just different Mm. and I would choose it probably next time because I could see how beautiful it would be if I wasn't, you know, in that world of pain, like we don't know why mm. Wynne didn't come. We don't know why she didn't come um, mm. vaginally, but she didn't. Mm. And she came up with sunroof and that is fine. And the recovery mm-hmm. has been amazing. I would also say like, I loved being active through my pregnancy and Carmen said to me that staying active and walking and doing what I did in terms of that was, um, plays a really big part in terms of a, a cesarean recovery. So I don't know. It was. It just was what it was, and mm. it. Um, yeah, it's pretty. It was a cool experience, regardless. I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, amazing. Well, I have absolutely loved speaking with you this morning, Hannah. And I know that there's going to be so many people out there who just yeah really get so much joy from listening to your episode and. Um, hearing you reflect on your birth and what it's been like for you as a mum for the you know last little while so I'm very grateful that you've taken the time out of your day to do this and yeah thank you thank you so much for having me I hope I have not rambled too much but no I I I have been in so like I just know exactly what it's like listening to these podcasts and I'm so excited for you all whether you've had babies you're about to have a baby you're trying to have a baby just it's such a cool time thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of kiwi birth tales 
I hope you've enjoyed listening and I'm so grateful that you chose to have me and Hannah in your ears this week. I will be back with another birth story episode for you very soon. But in the meantime, if you are looking to create your best birth, make sure you go and check out your birth project and I will be back with another episode for you soon.